0: So as we gather here this morning, as always, I just want to say thank you for being here. You know, often we kind of forget that gratitude is a very important part of our ministry and our following of Jesus. We don't have gratitude. We lose a lot of our hope, our joy, our zeal. So thank you for being here. Um, Thank you to the Focus Missionaries for your work. Thank you for Sarah for helping us uh, organize this conference, because um, this is definitely a lot of hidden work. And that's really what I want to preach on today is the hidden work of discipleship. Um, but before I, I get into that, I want to just briefly um, tell a story that I didn't tell yesterday that um, people usually find quite hilarious, uh, because uh, sometimes things are so obvious, but then to some, they're not that obvious. So when I was in my freshman year of college, my older brother PJ called me, and he was listening to, at the time, the Relevant Radio. So Relevant Radio, it was advertised last night. It's part of our diocese, it was founded in our diocese, and very obvious name is that they talk about relevant topics. And as he was listening to it, he heard about this conference in, in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. This is the Diocese of Green Bay here in Oshkosh, but there they had their first what they call the Men of Christ Conference, and he called me actually on Super Bowl Sunday. Not that anybody here is thinking about the Super Bowl today. But he called me and and sometimes uh, men, uh, just to let you know, women, we uh, sometimes we have this ability to think about either absolutely nothing or one thing for very long extended periods of time. So I was probably thinking about the football game. Not that anybody here would do that. But he called me and he just said, hey, Zach, um, do you have a little time to talk? And I was like, yeah, sure. What's going on? And he's like, well, I was just wondering if you still work at Old Navy. And I was like, yes, I do. And he said, does Old Navy make any congratulations? You are going to be an uncle T-shirts. And I kind of like in my head, I'm like, I just kind of walk through the store and I'm like, just kind of hop over to the women's side. And I was like, no, I I don't think they make any congratulations. You are going to be uncle T-shirts. I'm kind of waiting for another question. Then he just kind of takes a deep breath like Darth Vader into his phone. And he's like, okay, um, let me just ask you one more time. No problem. We'll, we'll keep moving forward. Let me just ask you again. Does Old Navy make any congratulations? You are going to be an uncle T-shirts. I said, dude, I literally just told you. I, sw- I don't think they do. I will drive down to the store. I'll, I'll call the manager. No problem. Like, but we, I'm pretty sure they don't make those T-shirts. So he asked one more time, trying to make the obvious... Not so obvious to me, obvious, right? And he says, all right, listen very closely. And at this time, he's standing next to his wife, Jen, and uh, my parents are there. I don't know this because I'm on on my cell phone, right? And he says, okay, I'm going to ask you one more time. I'm like, whatever. So he asks me, and he says, does Old Navy make any you, Zachary, Andrew, Weber, are going to be an uncle, t-shirts? Which I'm like, dude, I literally just told you three times that I don't know if they make those, but I'll, I'll call headquarters. I don't think they're open on Sunday, so I'll call headquarters, and he's just like, okay. Okay, let's figure out how we're going to say this. He's like, so, this is him talking now. He's like, do you remember when Jen and I got married? And I'm like, yeah, I remember that. And then he said, well, after we, after we got married, we moved in. We didn't cohabitate. And I'm like, yes, I remember that. And then he said, and then... Well, now, we've been trying to have a baby after uh, our first year of marriage, and and, uh, we've conceived. And in nine months, we're going to have a child. It's going to be a boy or a girl. We don't know. We'll find out when when the child is born. And at that day, when the child is born, your name will be Uncle Zach. And we just called to say congratulations, which I responded with, why didn't you just say so, right? Um, Because sometimes you and I, we forget uh, that the obvious is sometimes not so obvious. Like, some of us are like, why in the world would not more people follow Jesus? Like, clearly, when we reject him, if you look at our culture, we see suicide rates up, depression rates up, and less people going to church. Clear correlation. But for some of us, um, that doesn't do it for us. I don't know what it is. But I think for a lot of us, we have been presented a little bit of the gospel inversely. And what I mean by that is we only see the exterior and we forget about the interior. And what I mean by that is sometimes we only see what Jesus does, but we don't see what he did when he prayed. You know, what was he doing in our gospel reading today? He's healing Simon's mother-in-law and it says he's healing the sick. But it says early in the morning, the apostles go out looking for him. And what did they find him doing? What did they find Jesus doing in our gospel today? He was praying. I don't think a lot of us want to be hidden disciples. It's not a very attractive thing. I've been reading this. This book, um, which we're going to be reading for Lent, so if you didn't get a copy of it, they sell it at Oshkosh, uh, the On This Rock bookstore. But I was on retreat, and I've been reading this book, and it's just been like milk for my soul. And it's been so good. But in this book, uh, the writer Erasmo Lieva marikakis which is like the the weirdest but coolest name ever, if you want to change your name to Erasmo Lieva marikakis go ahead. But in this book, he just gets real. So we're in the Gospel of Mark um, right now as Catholics, and he talks about... The invitation to come to Jesus, right? We hear in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, those very famous words. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, right? Come to me. And as that is said, it's an invitation to find true relationship with jesus to live a hidden life with him and in this book the way of the disciple it says the whole labor of interpretation of scripture therefore is intimately related to the ascetical life that means a disciplined life to the effort that is to overcome the blindness that sin inflicts upon our soul so when you and i are sinning we are blind the obvious isn't so obvious That's why I couldn't hear my brother talking to me, because I was deep, deep, deep in sin, right? It was bad. I'm not going to go into it, but you can use your imagination. I was literally that guy on campus that everybody would have never thought would be a priest. Yet here I am. But he goes on further to say, Erasmus goes on further to say, he says, The quest to understand the mysteries of Revelation is meaningless without an accompanying desire to change one's life. Do you want to change? Do you know that you need to change? Now, if you don't change your life in five years, what will your life look like in five years? Like like right now, what will your life look like in five years if you don't change? But we are changed from the inside out. And when Erasmo talks about true discipleship, he says a densely charged passage in the Gospel of Mark gives us the whole structure of authentic discipleship In a nutshell. I like nutshells. It's small. I can put it in my hand. I can understand it, right? And he says, this is what he talks about in John 3, 14 through 15. He says, Jesus went up into the hills and called to him those whom he desired. So before Jesus called anybody in the mission, he prayed. And it says, And they came to him. He and he created twelve in order that they might be with him and be sent out to preach and have authority over demons. And he gives five pillars of discipleship, or five elements. And I want you to think of, when you think of discipleship, when you think of following Jesus, do these come up? The first one is our solitude with Jesus, which means we, we take time to spend with him in quiet every single day. Number one, Two, he says his freedom in choosing and calling. Jesus prayed in silence with his father, right? Second, or th- I'm sorry, third, he says our response to the call. There's gotta be responses. You and I are are presented the gospel, the person of Jesus, you gotta make a choice. Bishop Barron said it so well. You cannot remain indifferent. If you've be- become indifferent towards Jesus, you've never been presented the true Jesus. Maybe it's been the big bird Jesus or the Barney Jesus where it's, I love you, you love me, and you don't have to change, right? That's not Jesus. Jesus says, repent and believe in the good news, which means we got to change our mind and our heart, not just a little, but totally, right? And then he says, the fourth thing is the shared life of companionship with Jesus and other disciples, which means you and I cannot do it alone. That was a lot of my big struggle. I would be... Uh, closet Catholic, I'd be doing my thing on my own, and then all I did was judge other people, but I didn't know that I needed fellowship. I didn't know that I needed community. That's why sports work so well. You need teams, you have accountability, you have people to encourage you. But for some of us, we believe that I can do it on my own. If you believe that, that is a lie from Satan. (laughs) It's from hell. No Lone Rangers in Christianity. No Lone Rangers. And the fifth one is the mission to teach and heal. And he says, it is noteworthy of these five elements, only the fifth involves any visible activity in the world, which might suck a little because when you're on Instagram and you're on social media and you're on Snapchat, you just want people to see you. But four out of these five are living a hidden life, spending time with the word, spending time in community, shedding tears over the brokenness of your heart and my heart, asking for help. That's why we have a Newman Center on campus, is so that you guys can go in there and be healed and be redeemed. That's why we have these words, relationship, identity, mission. A lot of us do it backwards. We, we go into mission. We do work. Ah, because I'm doing these things. Look at me, Jesus. Now you know. Now I, I know you love me. There's my identity as a son or a daughter, and then I'm in a relationship, but it, it, it's, it's not that way. R-I-M. Out of our relationship, out of our hidden life, out of our communal life, out of spending time just gazing upon the cross, of looking at what he purchased for you, which is your identity as a son or a daughter, which you can't earn, but he gives it to you through your baptism. And spending time with Isaiah 43:5, you are precious in my eyes and I love you. That helps you be firm in who you are. But not who other people say you are. Who does God say you are? He says you, John, you, Sarah, are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. And he wants to hold you. And he wants to console you. Jesus didn't come to lead us totally to himself. He came to reveal the true love of the Father. We hear in scripture the words that a lot of people don't seem to understand. Jesus says, Birds have nests and foxes have dens, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Where does Jesus want to lay his head? It's in the bosom of the Father. So he can always know that he's a son. He can always know and he wants to share that with you and I. And that's our hidden life. That's our hidden life with Jesus. And if you don't think that God's plans are better for you, then maybe you don't know what his plans are. What does Jeremiah... 29, 11 through 14 say. For I know well the plans I have for you, right? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. God wants to help you. He says, When you seek me with all your heart, when you're all in, when you stop playing games, you're not looking around at stupid stuff on the internet or living a double lifestyle, having a divided heart. When you're all in, he will speak the truth that you so need to hear, that you are so loved. And if you and I don't live there, if we don't live out of a disposition knowing we are deeply loved, we are unconditionally loved, even in our sin, then we go out seeking and doing things that are clearly not going to leave us happy. Clearly not going to leave us happy. So what do we do? What do we do? Because your generation and a little bit of my generation have been like brought up on technology a little bit too much, and it's screwing us up. It is, clearly. Statistics true, true, just show it. We read in Revelation three twenty three, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if you open the door, I will come in and dine with you. Or some translate say, sup with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. But notice how loving he is. Notice how he respects your free will. If you don't want the truth and the life to come in, he won't. But he'll be ch- just very gently knocking. But if you know that truth, then you've got to go be Jesus to others. And you gotta invite them. Maybe go to the next slide. Keep going. Keep. Yeah, there it is. Maybe you've seen these signs that say "invite only." I say that's kind of crappy, right? <laughs> what if we just only invite? What would your life look like if you stopped sending text messages and making phone calls to invite people, but you literally went to their door and invited them to come? And I, I just want to say this as a priest of Jesus Christ: I need your help. My brothers, priests, not all that I know, but some of them have abused people. (laughs) I can't go to people's doors and knock and say, hey, do you want to come to the Newman Center free meal? Hey, do you want to come to a Bible study? We screwed it up and we're, we're repenting big time. But what if your attitude was invite only? And instead of, you know, sending out a message or making a phone call, what if you literally went to someone's dorm door or literally went to your friend's door and went and picked them up and brought them. Because it's so often what I hear is that people say they'll see something that I post on Instagram. Now you know, I run the Instagram account pretty much. And they're like, I want to go to that. I do. I want to go to that Bible study. I want to go to that, that meal. And then the clock starts ticking. And faster, faster, faster and anxiety and anxiety and anxiety and anxiety and i i I can't go then they did people just don't come but what if they had a friend to go knock on their door will you be that friend to somebody and will you live that hidden life the true life of discipleship to come and then go out and if you look at the life of jesus majority of his life was hidden it wasn't all on instagram it wasn't all on twitter it wasn't all over the news first 30 years of his life was spent mainly with his mom. Hidden. A little bit with his dad, his foster dad, St. Joseph, right? And for three years of his public ministry, he was performing miracles. But a lot of times he was found withdrawing in the prayer. So he could hear the father's voice, speak those words that you and I need to know. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And if you know that voice, nothing compares to it. And you will sell out for that. You will surrender to that. And then you just got to share that because it just pours out of you. That's why I'm a priest. <laughs> and for some of you, I, I put little images on your um, chairs. and If you didn't get one, I'll, I'll give you one after Mass. But this is what, the, what, what God wants to do with a lot of us. He just wants to pick us up. And he wants to hold us. This image was drawn by my dad. This is my time in seminary. It's a picture of a father holding their child. Because we hear in John 15, Remain in me as I remain in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So it means we've got to remain in a relationship. And we have to know that we can't do it alone. And we have to die to self. And kind of get over ourselves And start taking chances. And as we heard Curtis say last night, we've got to live a little more dangerously. Because I've never heard Christians ever in my life before say, Hey, be safe. 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 No, the scriptures say, be not afraid. The scriptures say, I am always with you. Always with you. So what did the apostles and disciples see Jesus doing? They found him at prayer. And I think one of the biggest cruxes in our faith life, your life and my life, is a lot of you, including me at your age, one thing I did not know how to do was how to pray. I didn't know how to spend time with the Word. I didn't know how to pray in adoration. And I didn't know how to pray the Rosary. I didn't know how to intercede for others. And you know why? Why? because I never asked for help. I never came up to anyone and said, hey, could you teach me how to pray? I'd really encourage you to be people of invitation to ask that question. Has anyone ever taught you how to pray? And not just say words, but to spend time with the Father and to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to live that hidden life. I know a few of you do that very well. What if if we all did that and we actually just said, I'm not going to leave here the same ever again. I'm going to leave here changed. But if I think I can do it on my own, then you're setting yourself up for failure. I'm setting myself up for failure. We need community. We need friendship. We need fellowship. And if you have somebody knocking at your door all semester long and they annoy the crap out of you, come tell me. And then I'll go. I'll go give them a hundred dollar gift card because I'm like, sweet, thank you, that's awesome. My friends, so often, you and I go to the Newman Center. We go to different events, even sports teams, um, even church, and nobody knows each other. What is that? That's not a family. That's not Christianity. I don't know what that is, but it's not Christianity. I don't know who you've met here, but you and I have to get to know each other, so we know who to invite. And we have to persist and not quit. Last thing. I told us in the homily earlier this week that um, there's a family that's been inviting me over to their house for the past six months. They built a new cabin. And they've been asking me, Father, would you come and bless our house? Would you come have dinner with us? And it just didn't work out. Weekends came up and just life happens. But they persisted. They persisted and they endured. They didn't quit on me. And I never told them I didn't want to come, right? I think sometimes when you, when you and I invite people to one thing and they just say no, like, well, they're done. They're not coming. They're not interested. It's not true. So I went over to their house, and we had a meal, and it was just like pretty much blitz the priest with questions, which I don't mind. I love that. And then they said, well, would you like to bless the house now? And I was like, yep. And, they, and I said, well, do you have anything else you'd like to be blessed? And it was the coolest scene I've ever seen in the past week and a half. They put all their knives on the table and all their guns and all their statues and all their rosaries and all their scapulars and all their Bibles. And it was just like spiritual ammo. And these people were locked and loaded for, for spiritual warfare. It was really freaking cool. <laughs> but nonetheless, they persisted in their invitation. It wasn't invite only, it was only invite. Only invite. Only invite. Let's make sure that you and I are people of invitation. Because you and I hopefully are beginning to know that as we heard in our gospel reading today, they said to Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Do you believe that? That everyone, in the depths of their soul, whether they want to admit it or not, they're really looking for Jesus? Or maybe we could reverse that question just a little bit and say, you are all he's looking for. His love is so personal. His love is so unique. He loves you like no one can love you. And every single ache in your heart, he wants to heal. Every single pain, he wants to relieve. And you're not lost in the crowd. You are uniquely loved by him. So we just take a moment of silence be people of invitation, and let the Lord find us. But if you and I don't have silent prayer, a hidden life, we can't hear him knocking at the door of our hearts to invite us into deeper relationship so that you and I can do the same for others. Amen.